Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Kinstead Wealth, where they give private investors access to the best asset class managers in the world. As a business owner who simply did not have the time nor the knowledge to manage my own financial assets, I was always on the hunt for a partner that would be able to give me access to something more than the stock market. Two years ago, I was introduced to Kinstead Wealth, and my eyes were open to an entirely new set of possibilities. Their pension endowment style approach to portfolio management allowed a portion of my portfolio to be allocated to non-traditional assets such as private equity, private agriculture, private real estate, and private infrastructure, amongst others. This allowed me to have access to non-traditional assets that have return expectations superior to public stocks while having lower volatility. With these assets added to my traditional portfolio, I had the opportunity to enhance my returns and lower my volatility overall. You may be asking yourself, what do you mean by non-traditional assets? In short, these are institutional quality assets that are not promoted to the retail market, but to the pension, endowment, foundations, and family offices due to the fact that their minimums are very high. By partnering with Kinset as an investor, I was able to gain access to these financial vehicles that are typically out of reach for most people. To learn more about how Kinset can help you and your family, please visit them today at www.kinstead.com. Kinstead Wealth is a very proud member of our community and donates 1% of their top-line revenue every year to the charitable sector. Hello to Warm Collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Brad Perry. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? I am great. Thanks for coming on the show, Brad. President and CEO, if, if anybody doesn't know, if you live in Calgary, it'd be hard not to know, of Calgary Economic Development and Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund. So I always, although I doubt anybody doesn't know, let's jump in the elevator. Let's do a quick spiel. What's the, you got 20 floors. What's uh, CD all about and your reason for being? Absolutely. Great question. I think we get that a lot. And frankly, at the end of the day, what our job is, is to help position Calgary for long-term economic success. And the way we do that is through the expansion, retention, and acquisition of companies' capital and talent. Boom. Oh, holy shit. We got how many floors? Well, let, all right, let's continue. I got three floors. Well, I got it down to, I got it down to that's three a, that's floors. That's impressive. You, you might have been asked this question once or twice before. <laughs> um, President and CEO of Calgary Economic FCD, and as well as OSIF, Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund. Let's just talk about, just for a second, what that is and maybe the relationship of how those two kind of balance each other or how sure. they work together. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, Calgary Economic Development is sort of the overarching agency, and we're sort of the, uh, the, the agency that's out in, in the marketplace, both helping companies in Calgary grow, expand, but also in other parts of Canada, North America, and the world, looking for companies who are looking to either grow their business, move their business, expand their business, or invest in Calgary businesses. So that's kind of the CED model. Okay. For OSIF, which is the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund, it was developed in 2017, 2018, and it was a fund that was set up to help really spur economic development, uh, really for job growth, downtown vibrancy, downtown growth. Um, and so the money was really used to help drive some of that, to help bring back some of those companies and help us attract uh, the right kind of things for ecosystem development, uh, for, for corporations that are hiring people, that are putting people back to work, or investing in, in retraining some of our, our talent that's in the community. So, for example, if you look at the SATE uh, DX hub, that was one of our major investments. And that was really focused around trying to making sure we bring the right talent into the community. As we saw the demand grow for, for tech talent specifically, we knew that we had to do some stuff. And so we looked at that. You know, another investment that OSIF did was the Life Sciences Innovation Hub. Uh, which is up at the U of C, which is an amazing program. If you don't know about it, strongly urge you to check it out because what it does is it allows companies to come in and actually work in labs to start to build ideas in companies that then get funded to grow and become global players. 
And the last thing we did in 2020, we started thinking about the ecosystem and realizing that, you know, Calgary doesn't have a startup problem. They have a scale-up problem. Okay. And so as we looked at the landscape that was out there, we realized that we needed to help support some of those Calgary startups to give them the springboard to become globally competitive at a more accelerated rate. So we consciously took a, a step back and started, we built an RFP back in 2020 uh, into 2021 for accelerators, uh, which is to bring these global accelerators to our community to help Calgary companies grow more effectively and more quickly. So when you think of Endeavor, Thri SVG Thrive, uh, we have plug and play, we have 500 startups, those kinds of accelerators will help Calgary companies and entrepreneurs grow at a much faster rate and give them access to global markets and global capital as well. So just drawing a line right there, the accelerator versus the, you know, Calgary. Does, I love what you said. I, I love good. You, you, you've got good media. You've got good sound bites, Brad. You speak in excellent. <laughs> I give you speak good quotes, what you're saying? I give good quotes. You do, okay. yeah. No, absolutely. I'm like, well, I can wrap. I can double click on that one or pull, unpack. Scale up versus accelerate. When I think of accelerate, I think of often that, that much more early stage. And maybe this is my own myth of, again, part of what we do in the show is also try to weed through some of the death yeah, by terminology here that we all get mixed up on. When I hear scale up, I hear... Because I've also heard Calgary, there's a challenge and there's a chasm of despair where I come out of my accelerator, I come out of this very supportive environment and, oh, wow, I can't, I, maybe not funding, but I'm struggling to get that first customer. I put that in a scale-up bucket. Is that kind of like just from a terminology perspective? Yeah, that's actually, uh, that's a startup bucket, right? Okay. So the startup, what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out, do I have a product? Yep. Is there a problem I'm trying to solve? Like, what is the problem? What am I trying to solve? Is there a market for this and is there a client for this? Yep. And so part of that work that Platform does with Startup Calgary mm -hmm. is help educate people who are thinking about starting an idea. I've got a great idea, but I don't know how to do it or I don't know where to go. So Startup allows these potential entrepreneurs to learn how to look for product market fit, how to do the research, how to think about things, how to structure their, their organization. When you get into an accelerator, what they do is now say, okay, you've got a product market yep. fit. There seems to be appetite for this. Now let's teach you how to run a business, let's teach you how to structure a business, and let's teach you how to go and find capital or grow or uh, launch into new markets as well. And then after you get out of the accelerator, that's when you start to get the funding, right? That's when you start to see pre-seed Series A funding, which is sort of the second part of what our, our strategy was last year, which is to invest in a fund manager, right? So at the end of the day, at OSIF, we're, we're not equipped to pick winners and losers. That, that was never the intent of the fund. Okay. Uh, but we realized that we needed to infuse the marketplace with that scale capital. So we put an RFP out and AEC and Yale Town were the successful uh, bidders for that, which was we took $7 million. Mm -hmm. They had to put matching funds up focused on helping Alberta companies scale with that funding that they needed. So that growth capital to happen. Okay. So, and, and the so criteria around that is now. they had to then bring that into, that money had to be put into play in Alberta. Correct. Okay. In, in Calgary. In Calgary. Okay. So again, we looked okay. Calgary focused. Yeah. So, so OSIP is really about the benefit to near the benefit of Calgary. Uh, and it's, it's, we're not the first dollars in, so we're not the first money in and you got to have matching funds from somebody else. And it's also a grant based program. I was going to say, so yeah, that, that's money that I don't have to pay back as an organization. It's because you that's said, right. Okay. So it's non-dilutive equity. Yeah. So we don't take any equity in the positions uh, from an OSIP perspective. What you do is you either create jobs, uh, train people, reprogram, take real estate. You you get grants for those kinds of things over a three to five year period. Okay. But what we didn't do is we weren't risk capital. So by going to a fund manager, we were leveraging their back office, their industry expertise, uh, their due diligence. And, and frankly, they, they're in the marketplace. They talk to these companies all the time. And we were just weren't structured to do that. So that's why we purposefully went out for accelerators 
and the fund manager as well. <clears throat> okay, and is that, and I'm going to maybe pull up, I don't want to pull a punch, I'm not a journalist, nor is this a gotcha show, but there have been a few guests I've had on the show that have had some maybe less than favorable feedback on OSIF, and the fact that how long does it take to get this money in play? Why, why is it not happening? Again, from the outside, there's been a little bit of that moving around. Uh, I totally. haven't heard as much of it recently, but over the last couple of years, I've definitely heard it. it. Was that kind of your response to that, of finding a different way to put that money into, into play so, more fluidly? Yeah. Yeah, to an extent. I think at the end of the day, look, is anything perfect? No, and don't forget the fund was stood up and as, as you learn and grow. And so, yeah, we saw the fact and we've heard that that because we're non-dilutive and milestone based, yeah, it is a challenge to get it out, especially when you look at what happened in you know, 2020, 2021 yes. with COVID. Our focus wasn't about getting the money out. Our focus was making sure our investee companies survived. And so working with them, so restructuring the deal, restructuring the, the, the milestones to help them achieve where they could, but also providing some of that guidance and support to help them get across the line. And now you'll start to see more announcements coming out soon about some of the money that we're actually getting into the marketplace. Okay, that's awesome to hear. And from a startup perspective, like you said, the startup moving into the accelerators to scale up. Do we have any shortage? I'm hearing that we don't. I'm hearing different, like that there is a nice blend that, you know, we, yes, we need more funds, but there's starting to be this concern. We'll get into the price of oil and any risk of uh, losing us momentum in that area. <laughs> but even if you back up two, three years ago, let's take COVID out of the equation. You can't. But even three yeah. years ago in the trends that Calgary was on, when I first started having these conversations, it's certainly feeling like every, every time I turn around, there's another startup story. There's somebody getting some funding. It feels like we're getting, I wouldn't say critical mass, but we're getting a lot bit more momentum. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things I, I, I landed here, so I wasn't, I'm the poster child for Calgary, right? So I left <laughs> back in 2009 because uh, it wasn't stuff here. I went to Toronto and I spent 11 years there and I came back two and a half years ago because I knew it was happening in the ecosystem. I could see the, the stuff happening. You started to see the, the Morgan Stanleys, the Shareworks, uh, you know, the unicorns that are, that are happening out there. And I think, you know, it's, it's, we, we were conscious about our marketing. Uh, at the end of the day, look, I love selling. I love selling the story, but it, nobody gives a rat's ass about what I have to say. <laughs> what they want to hear is they want to hear from the companies. They want to hear from people that are here, that have grown here, that are scaling here. So we, we consciously took a step back in our efforts and changed our communication and marketing strategy to make it more about the community and the startups that we have and the success stories that we had to get people to understand that this isn't just us blowing smoke, uh, sunshine up your backside. It's actually there's real companies here. And to us, what the important part was, was not just from the outside looking in, but from the inside looking out to say, hey, I don't have to leave Calgary now to build my company. Right. I don't need to go to Toronto. I don't need to go to Vancouver or Boston to actually build a company. I can actually do it in Calgary now. So that was a real conscious effort on our part. And you're seeing that result now where you can't, you know, every day there's a new story, a new great story about a startup or uh, a, a new company getting, you know, Simens of the world mm -hmm. or Helsoms of the world getting these fundings or benevities, right? So we have these amazing stories that are happening in, in our system. So yeah, it was it was very conscious and you're not wrong. I mean, look at the, the VC numbers that came in last year, right? We had 66 deals, uh, yep. almost $600 million yep. in Calgary. And uh, looking good that it's huge. moving into, yeah, and we're seeing a, a trend in Absolutely. a positive direction. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when you're out on the road to kind of telling, because I know a big part of your job is being that voice for Calgary to other communities, how critical, because I, I get it, there's a startup ecosystem and there's a lot of small companies doing a lot of great things here, but do those stories really matter as much when you're out on the road or how critical are those cements or benevities or, you know, so on? you can go, the list isn't that long, like I could rhyme a handful of them off. I guess how critical is that, that those stories are required to really get noticed in some of these other more established markets that are farther ahead on the journey than we are? I mean, if you think about it this way, you know, capital follows talent, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so as you, as you look at the talent pool that gets to grow, the capital starting to come back in, but then you sprinkle in an AWS or an RBC or an Infosys or an Emphasis, and now it's like, holy shit, what, what's, what's actually happening in Calgary? I can tell you, ever since we made these announcements last year, we've gotten phone calls coming in for the first time in a long time. So we're getting inbound phone calls from companies saying, hey, what's going on in Calgary? We, we're thinking about coming out. We're trying to expand. What can you tell us about your marketplace? So I think it's incredibly important because it doesn't just say that we've imported these big companies. It shows that we're building these companies. So think of a Vancouver or a Waterloo or an Austin mm-hmm. or um, a Silicon Valley, the homegrown companies, right, that are building there and growing there and feeding the ecosystem. So it's incredibly important for us because people want to know, well, why, why are people going there? Like what, what's going on? There's obviously something happening that we need to be part of, right? I really appreciate the difference you talk about, the ability to incentivize a company to move here versus our ability to grow something. If you think about even as an investor, you look at a company, you go like, have you been able to meet your, your roadmap? How you Have you been able to organically grow? And however you did that. Thinking about that as like looking at our city in kind of that same light, that's a very different story than having incentives that bring people here because of low rent or low taxes or thing, things like that. Those are hey, that's that's cherry on, on on top of the ice cream, right. right? I mean, those are great things, but it should it's not the driver of it because we did a lot of research and especially around talent, right? I mean, when we when I first got here, we were looking at well, why are people not wanting to come here? And what it was was people said, look, I, I'm, I love this job, I got a great opportunity, but what happens if I don't like my job? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if you know where's job three, four, five, or six? Yeah. They had no idea of the opportunities that were actually presenting themselves here. So that's why we had to switch away the, the, the marketing away from just talking about lifestyle to opportunity. And so you saw the Live Tech Love Life campaign mm-hmm. that we have out there, which juxtaposes the lifestyle, but more importantly, talks about the opportunity to build a career here, uh, which is the key, right? So again, let's be honest, if you just want to go somewhere to go skiing, I can fly, I, well, I can drive now, but before I could fly into to, to Banff, into Calgary, skip Calgary right to Banff and ski. Not even come, not even come to Calgary, no, 100%. Right, but I wouldn't see what was happening. I wouldn't see the amazing ecosystem, the great jobs, the culture that's being built here. So that's why we have to really push that part of our our benefit package versus strictly the corporate tax rate or the affordability or the lifestyle. And I've had a few people on talking about it specifically from the employee, from that perspective, even themselves, like exactly what you just said. Well, this is awesome, but what happens when I make my jump in two years and where, where do I jump to where you're in a bigger market? You're going to go across the street. That old, that old metaphor kind of thing. Well, all, you know, yeah. high tide raises all boats, right? So for us, that was important. But to your point, people needed to know that. So when we were intentional on our website to showcase the stuff that was happening here, the meetups that are happening. You know, every every dev uh, has a unicorn in his back pocket, right? So how do you get funded? Well, we, we have <laughs> private capital. We have access to capital here. So those are the kinds of, and we have an environment that is becoming more and more collaborative. You know, and I had this conversation uh, when we talked about the energy transition study that we launched back in December. And I was doing an interview and somebody said, well, aren't you afraid of another city eating your lunch? And I said, well, first of all, I'm never worried about somebody eating my lunch. Second of all, we don't, we're not going to win this game by being competitive. We're going to win by being collaborative. And this is a global issue. We're talking about energy transition. This isn't just a Calgary-centric problem. This is a global problem, right? And what I kept saying is if you're truly serious, and I mean serious about solving this problem, there's no better place than Calgary to do that. And like, what are you talking about? Why? We have these major oil players who invested billions of dollars already in the transition. We have the most head offices per capita in the country. Why is that important? Well, because decision makers are here. Okay, that's nice, but why? Because they have access to the data. 
If you don't have access to the data, you're not going to solve this problem. So we have the right elements to become this global hub for people who want to solve the climate change challenge that we have. Hmm. How you touched on something there about worry about other seating, you know, cities eating our lunch and, you know, just the scarcity versus abundance mindset that drives a comment like that. But when you think about, I've had people on the show, like when's, you know, not, it was, it was a bit spiteful, but we're tired of like, we're going to be the next, no, we're going to be our version of what we become next. So I, you know, how important is that for you to like, Oh, we're going to be the next Kitchener Waterloo. We're going to be the next, no, no. They, someone's no. already got that locked down. Be. Someone's already doing exactly. a good job at being that. When you think about Why Calgary, is energy transition, that? is that a part of it? Is that a big, cause Hey, if there's anything there's unquestionable expertise of in this province, in this city is anything Absolutely. around energy. And if the world's changing, why not us as far as being in the lead, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of those things, look, at the end of the day, we're always going to be the energy capital of this country. It just, the face may change, right? And so what, what I've tried to tell people is think of it like your, your stock portfolio, right? We, we, we've over-indexed on one part of our portfolio. Now we just need to rebalance a little bit, right? We need to let the life sciences, the fintechs, the ag techs, the creative industries start to get a little bit of sunshine and grow and provide us that opportunity to remove ourselves from the historical cyclicality that we have in our community. What a great segue to $100 oil. <laughs> We've been here before. You and I were joking before we got online, pushed the button. Next time I'll diversify and next time I'll save more. We've all seen, if you've lived in Alberta for any period of time, you've seen the bumper stickers. Uh, thoughts on this, this cycle, this run that we're on right now. I think it's a great thing for our city. Does it become a bad thing? And I say bad thing in quotes because it takes our eye off the diversification ball or does it free up some more funds, which is the version I like to yeah. like to think is true. But what are you seeing out there? What's the rhetoric or what's the talk? A thousand percent. I think that's what we're seeing now. I mean, they've already they've already committed, right? So if you look at the traditional oil and gas back up 2014, 2015, they were forced to reinvest into technology. They were forced to figure out better ways to get the product out more efficiently. They did that through technology. So now you have a greater pool of capital to play with. You're going to start reinvesting again. You're going to put that in because everybody knows we have to get there. We need a look. We need a rational plan. To be honest with you, we need that rational plan of the transition. But I think that opportunity for these companies will get to reinvest in the community. They will look for new ideas. They will start investing in startups. They will start investing in their teams to build out that that knowledge, that IP that will help differentiate them. But I think the other important part, honestly, Tyler, on this one is that. Yeah, you know what, it, th this windfall for us is going to make a lot of people wealthy uh, in our city. I think what we need to do as a community is make sure that those people understand how to invest in technology companies yeah. or growth companies or startups, right? And the example I always use is game theory, right? So there's, there's, if you read game theory, there's two outcomes. Outcome number one is you play the game to end the game. So I invest in a company. The, in I need the to infinite have a versus the I need finite to know what's game, going. right? <laughs> I'm done. But what we need is to get people thinking about the flywheel. I invest not because I want that end game. I want to keep the game going because I know that maybe if I put 25 or 50 grand into a company, I might lose it, which I know is no small sum amount of money. But I also know that that's going to catalyze something else that's going to go into something else. And an idea will come from that. So I think we need to do a job in our community to educate people that we have to invest to keep the game going and not just play to the end all the time. I love it. And I've been having a lot of conversations with 
seed, pre-seed, like that early stage specifically to try to get that grist in the mill and put some, you know, gas on the fire or whatever 50 other metaphors I could use, which I will stop. <laughs> when you look at your role as CD, do you guys play in that space? Like how much do you see, like I appreciate you're putting, you're going out there, you guys are going on, you know, trade missions for lack of a better way to call it, to try to bring attention and bring money and bring people here. But that education that you talk about, it comes up all the time on the show. I'm seeing it happening, but I don't know if it's happening at a critical mass or if it's just happened to be with the people I'm talking to. My, my confirmation bias is happening. getting reaffirmed on a regular basis. But yeah. when you guys look yeah, at your role happening. in the community, is that something you guys take on or is that just part of a conversation that you're involved in? Mm. Yeah, it's part of the conversations. But I think as you see the companies like Plug and Play show up here or Thrive or Endeavor, those are the kinds of companies that will help. You have NACO, right, the, uh, who come in mm -hmm. and are starting to do the angel investors, right? That's part of that education program. So you're starting to see a lot of these things start to happen. So are we driving that bus? No, that's not our, that's not our lane to swim in. Okay. But certainly we're there to support that and move that to help educate uh, our, our community. Because I think we have a really lot of smart people who want to see this community succeed. And that's how it's going to happen. No, and it certainly feels like it is. And again, I have a confirmation bias because those are also the type of people that, that come on the show to chat about it. Curious when the role CD, you know, Calgary Economic Development, it's even my own self calling this Collisions YYC. It's very hard to have a conversation about Calgary without talking about Alberta, Edmonton, Western Canada as a whole. So curious with the role that you guys play in the mandate and, and the, the objectives or the, the key pillars that you put forward, how much is that impacted and how much is that balanced out with what's happening even at the provincial level, what's happening outside of Calgary? Like, we're not we're not on an island, but we kind of are in a, in a way, but not. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I go back and say we're going to win this by collaborating, not competing. Yeah, and so we work with Invest Alberta, which is the provincial government's version of of Calgary Economic Development. We work with Edmonton Global very closely. Like our teams are in contact every couple of weeks. Uh, we we think that you know what, let's let's focus together to get the companies or people to either expand or grow here in Alberta. And then let's worry about where they land after that. Okay, like let's, I, let's I work on that. that. But the idea, Once we got them here, then we can, then we can, yeah, then they're inside the walls. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so we, you know, obviously we do our own things, but we definitely work very closely with all of our partners, uh, both civic and provincial, to make sure that we're getting that out there. Because again, if 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 Edmonton wins, like the hydrogen plays going on in Edmonton, yeah. that's phenomenal. And there's going to have a huge spillover, spillover effect to Calgary as well as you start to see some of this. So we cheer on our our, our friends in Edmonton big time. Um, you know, from a regional standpoint, and same here, if you think about um, Rocky View or Balzac, look, I know they're outside the city, but again, we, we pitch the region. Uh, ideally, we want them to be in the city itself. That's what our job is. But at the end of the day, it's about the greater good of the community that, that we're truly after. I appreciate, I appreciate that. It was also a very politically correct answer, Brad. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's... Let's talk about, let, let, let's maybe roll up our sleeves a little bit. When you look, because here, you know, for a lot of these companies you're talking to and wanting them to move here, or even talent, and you look at other jurisdictions, whether it's in Canada and the US, and it's not who we're competing against, but who do you look to and go, wow, they've got something going on, or they've doing some, they're doing some great things there, they've got a really good story that they're telling. I'm always curious of where we can learn from as well, out of respect, but a little bit of com competition as well. Who's on, who's on your radar? You know, mm. So that's a really interesting question. So when I first got here, um, I, I, I put our team to the test. Uh, as you and I talked about it, being an ex-agency marketing guy, right? <laughs> yep. So I said, go out there and pull videos that you would like us to compare ourselves against. And the team did a great job. We went through half a day session and they pulled all economic development videos, okay. all regional videos, yep. right? And they played them and we watched them. And then I said, okay, let's play it without the sound now. And they ran the sound. Then I said, let's play it without the visuals and listen. And I said, what do you like? And they were, oh, well, this. I said, was there anything different Again, same message. We have great schools. We have a sports team. We have a vibrant culture. So I don't want to compare myself 
to that. I want to compare myself to Nike, Puma, Adidas, Porsche. That's the brand's headspace that we should be trying to, uh, you know, oh, look I, for. I like how you put your, put you put your agency in. hat squarely on. <laughs> uh, totally, man. But that's where we should. So if you look at our website, we just redid our website last year. Uh, totally brought in that 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 new level uh, of of ways to think about this and not think about the old school and think about competing against another city. Let's let's try to raise the bar a little bit. Let's become a brand, right? And so we're actually in the process of doing a lot of work right now with Tourism Calgary and the city and all of our civic partners around the brand work for the city because I think we're at a great spot right now to take a step back and understand like. Is our brand architecture right? Is our brand promise right? And so we're doing a ton of work right now on the research side to figure this out and really make sure that we've got a solid platform to go forward. So we've got consistency of message uh, out there. And I think you and I get as a marketer, I'm, I'm we're reading from a similar song sheet. I, well, I've recently been chatting with some uh, my contact over at Travel Alberta, and I know I think I've got her booked. I got Tannis booked in for May to come and talk about the new brand that's coming out which is quite exciting, which I haven't seen a lot of buzz about yet. I ran into her and she's like, okay, Tyler, we're, this is happening. We're doing, we're doing the thing, yeah. but it's so critical and it's so easy to overlook when we look at jobs and we look at, you know, the minutia of the things that, that are critical. But if we can't tell a good story, we're kind of, we're kind of hooped. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and Tannis does, they, they do amazing her team is awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I keep saying as well, this is sound like a whole bunch of bradisms, but <laughs> that's all um, right. You know, Calgary's superpower, it's his kryptonite. Right? Our superpower is we like to get stuff done. We are good at getting stuff done. Our kryptonite is we don't do it well together. And we need to fix that, right? We need to work together to do this as one. So that consistency of message, the, the one voice stuff. I mean, that's so important for us as a community because our resources are limited. We're not you know, flowing with a lot of opportunity for us to go and overspend. Mm -hmm. We have to be really smart and tactical about how we use the funds that we have and be really smart about the storytelling that we're doing. When you say not collaborative, because I've often said the, almost the opposite, but I don't think we're talking the same context. What I love about Calgary and certainly what I experienced moving here is there's an ability to share and support and collaborate with each other from a business perspective. And that's been yeah. my experience more so. And I've lived in other great places and you can get a community, but Calgary, there seems to be a willingness to help each other certainly in business but i don't think that's how you're referring to it just to, so we're getting no way. not at all are you kidding no we have one of the best yeah i would right. say i call that our superpower i love the superpower that. joke yeah but for us what it is though is, is that because we want to get stuff done we just go and do it we just get out there and try so to get, to get shit done kind of problems for sure <laughs> right and instead of sort of saying take a step back let's let's get it together and do it together we're getting stuff done yeah we'll work and support absolutely but we need to make sure that we're going in out there with that one consistency uh, around the messaging. I mean, it doesn't have to be the exact same words, but it's got to be that underpinning. Uh, again, going back to the brand architecture, right? Understanding the core principles and our, our promise. What is that? And making sure that's understood and utilized properly. And then customize it to your audiences as well. I don't need to get involved uh, in marketing stuff. Of course, stuff, but you, no, the, you, the, you know the idea of don't, don't, yeah. don't make your... Don't make your audience do the work of figuring out which brand message they happen to be reading that day. There's got to be a level of consistency. Exactly. Because if you make them do the work, they just won't. They'll go to. They'll find a story that's easier to understand. <laughs> so for you guys as an organization, even like again, we can't talk about the. We, we can't have a conversation about what's happening with us economically without talking about the last couple of years. You've already chatted and you've already made some mention of some of the things that you guys changed and you kind of went back to the drawing board to redo things. How much is just you know the mandates? Because you've been at you've been at CD for a handful of years, just recently in the leader in the senior leadership in the senior leader role, 
how how often are you guys like how fluid is this environment of leak? These are our mandates. Like, whoop, things are changing and we're pivoting again. Like six months ago, maybe hundred dollar oil was on the horizon, but it didn't feel as real as it's felt in the last couple months for sure. I'm just curious of how fluid things are with you guys because you guys also have a lot of stakeholders, a lot of people that you're behooving to. That's got to be challenging from the perspective of keeping everybody feeling that you're having their best interest, quote unquote, in mind. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we're pretty focused. We, you know, we know what our, our, our mandates are and our focus is, like I mentioned before, it's about long-term economic prosperity, yep. right? Helping position that. So we don't we don't waver too much on that. So yeah, $100 oil is great, but is it taken away from what we have? No, not at all. It, it, we're still focused on uh, looking at those key sectors. And, you know, one of the big things that we're doing here, um, you know, we have a, I have an amazing research team. Uh, the strategy team is great. And we did really good work in point in time and review mirror stuff, which is good to have. But we need to be the ones looking three, five, seven, ten, fifteen years out. What are those global trends coming at us? What's happening in those in those marketplaces with life sciences? Because my sales cycle, when we look at companies to attract or expand, it's three to five years. Yeah. Yeah, right. If I don't get those data points in, then we're not we're not hunting in the right places. So a lot of that intelligence pieces that we're building out right now to become that source for the community. So bring that back in, synthesize it. Make sure, let's say, life sciences, hey, here's the trends in life sciences. Go start looking at these kinds of companies. Let's start to get the top of funnel built out. Let's take that data and give it to the city. Let's take that data and share it with our civic partners, with our private sector partners. Say, this is what we're seeing. Do you guys agree, not agree? How do we make sure we're set up to be able to take advantage of the trends that are coming at us in the future? That's an interesting one. I think it's it's really easy, and maybe I'm on my own island of this, to not think about you guys that way as like, no, we're trying to, we're a three to five year sales cycle on trends that have not been established yet. And we all know those trends are happening faster and more exaggerated than ever before. So the, the argument is a five-year plan is almost, is, is, is a complete fictional exercise. The last kind of couple of years, it's been like, if you could keep up with your three to six month plan, you're, you're, you're doing well. <laughs> but understanding, how big is your team? Like, let's put some context. As I also I also think people think yeah. you guys are bigger than you are. And that, I've heard that often said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're all in about 50 people, okay. give or take. That includes that includes the OSIF team. That includes our Edge Up program. That includes uh, everything. So the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, is just around 53 or 54 people in total. You guys, you, you guys present, but you, you punch above your weight. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard <laughs> yes, that. I've do. heard that said. Like, oh, you'd think man. there'd be more people there than there are. And I, I didn't know the actual, the actual number, but I knew, I knew it wasn't hundreds and hundreds for sure. Mm. No, no. I mean, we look, I'm, I'm blessed with an amazing team. Uh, the senior team here has, has done amazing work. And we've got a lot of fresh talent coming in and fresh blood and fresh thinking that gets me super energized. Uh, you know, the, the people that are coming in right now, like we have Brady who just who's taken over our ag portfolio. Man, he's a rancher, does has policy, is just knocking out of the park and he's got ideas and ideas. And, you know, that is so invigorating for people. And we kind of build this hive effect now where you've got these, this, this real big culture of people wanting to, to be excited and do great things. And you're starting to see other people start to come in and want to be part of our organization now. So it's really an exciting time for us. Well, and I, I'm always very bullish on Calgary. And I think there's a lot of people here that are, are as well. And again, a backstop of, man, it's been since 2013, we could use a break. And now we've got that on top of some of these other initiatives that are going on. Yeah. You talked about even just collaboration. And again, I know that's not what you're referring to, but I always love, and it's a question I haven't asked for a while. If you could take two sectors that maybe don't spend enough time together. And I want to, I want to, I want to kind of bang them together. I want them to learn from each other. I want to bolt them in a room and be like, you're solving your problems, but you don't even know it because you don't think you have the same things or solutions. What kind of, what industries would you see and who would you want to throw in a room? 
Maybe you've actually done I mean, this in real life, right. actually. <laughs> yeah, we're actually we're doing it right okay, now. Awesome. I think if you look at the ag space okay. and you look at life sciences, mm. there are so many cross opportunities coming out of those two industries right now. It's crazy. Um, those are things that naturally output. You wouldn't realize that, right? You just, but if you think about the things that are being developed in the life sciences space, and you look at the ag tech space or anything to do with agriculture, whether it's processing, whether it's producing, whether it's harvesting. There are so many similarities in here and seeing those those collisions, no pun intended, Please. start to happen. Um, it, it's it's the way it works, right? And that's why it's so important to build that ecosystem properly mm-hmm. for these types of things to start to happen. People bumping into each other, go, oh my God, I got a great idea. It didn't work here, but hey, could it work over there? Can we try that? So that's what's really invigorating about what's happening today in the community. Do you think that there's a, t- a tendency when you've got a bunch of smaller startups that are more scrappy, more open they're not as set in their way. I'm a big company. I'm a nutrient. I'm a someone like I've done what I've done and I know my business and why would, why would I want to collaborate with you? It's actually probably takes me more time to get you up to speed on my business, but you throw a bunch of startups, although they might be in different sectors, they're all kind of trying to solve. They're all kind of climbing the same trees at the same, at the same time. Is that helping that collaboration that there's more of a willingness because you're not quite as just established. I don't want to say set in your ways. That sounds negative, but no, absolutely. And I think that's that's part of when you bring these big companies in, like you said, the nutrients or the BASFs with the emphasis, mm-hmm. what that sends a signal to are now these startup or the people with ideas want to be close to the headquarters. They want to be close to the big corporates because they know that's how they get their data. That's how they can do uh, product market fits. That's how they can do beta stuff, right? And then, then with those companies, and I think, you know, I see the opposite happening in this community, the nutrients, the BASF, the big companies, the, the Suncors are all excited about the startup world. They can't wait to find out what's going on next, what's happening next, because they want to infuse that. So you're seeing a lot more of the corporates start to reach down into the startup community and support them because they understand that's the future. Well, and I've had lots of organizations like, you know, large companies going, you know how hard it is to innovate inside our governance and our, you know, everything that allows us to be functional as this large entity, like a Suncor, for example, but the Skunk Works yeah. idea or like literally setting up a team completely offsite so they don't get held up. But funding a few startups can have an equal uh, equal or greater output because you've got a very motivated, motivated group solving a bigger yeah. problem. Any, uh, my another one of my favorites, a magic wand, we can knock something out of the way. We can just remove a barrier, like wave the Brad Perry magic wand, and this disappears and things move <laughs> forward. The floodgates open. Or the other side, it doesn't have to be negative, but I always love to knock something out of the way. This is a positive show, but let's talk about reality. If you could, uh, if you could make something disappear or just stop being an issue, what's, what would be on your hit list? Yeah, you know, really interesting question. I think I would suggest that um, if you take a look back in markets that have grown, like the Austins of the world, the Toronto's even, the Vancouver's, what you saw is back then, even Silicon Valley back then, they had patient capital. Mm. And by that, I mean the investment came in they grew the team, they built the team, they trained their teams, they developed their teams to then let them go out and swim. Today, what happens is you raise 50 million bucks, you need to have a senior team in place, fully functional within three months. Yeah. You're not having that opportunity to, to train and build and grow the community and let it sort of spawn out into other areas and, and, and growing that, that entire um, you know, subsystem or ecosystem. So for me, if there was one thing I'd love for us to, to see a little bit more of is that patient capital to allow companies to to reinvest in themselves, to build out their talent pool versus always having to try to bring somebody in or take somebody from somewhere else. Brad, since I sprung that one on you, that was an excellent answer. I'm gonna give you full, I'm gonna give you full five stars on that answer. I really appreciate that. And is that also maybe a little bit of just a symptom of also the the 
the age of our ecosystem or maybe the youth of or the the how young we are when it comes to that investing is different markets or is it also just the times we live in when people are expecting that quick turn of their capital <laughs> i think it's it goes back to the comment about game theory right mm-hmm. and i think yeah, yeah. because there's such an abundance of capital in the marketplace that it's not i mean i, I i'd love to have my own company out there again raising capital right now because the valuations that were happening the last couple of years oh my god uh it would have been great to get that um, so I think what you're seeing those are people are hungry to invest, but that's forcing other companies because again, once you take money from somebody else, the game changes. Yes. Now you've got an endpoint game. You've got to report back. You've got to show metrics. You've got to show growth. You've got to show all this stuff. So you lose the patience around that capital because if you're not keeping up with everybody else, then you're falling behind. So you know you got to think about that, right? When I was reading something, I think it was this morning about this this piece where somebody was talking to a founder who said, "Yeah, I'm stressed because I'm only doing 25% growth this year, and I don't think I can keep up, and and so I'm going to have to sell." And it's like, well, hang on, why would you exit now if you're showing that kind of growth? So that's the mentality we have to change, right? It's that endpoint that the game has to end. Whereas I think if if we can get that patient capital back in here uh, to help support these companies. I think we're we're in a good, I mean, I think we're in a great spot to be on. We have such great talent in our city. You know, as you know, we stood up the Edge Up program, uh, which was to help you know displaced oil and gas workers mm-hmm. uh, get back in by training them uh, through a federal program. So we've launched cohort number Veda Edge Up 2.0 was just launched, which is about 360 people that we're putting through okay, the program. Good. I knew the second one. I knew the second one was sets. coming. I didn't know what the numbers were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's launched right now. So I mean, we had the first cohort. We had 100 seats. We had 1,200 applications. Yes, I did hear that, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a desire, there's a, there's a want. And we've got one of the highest educated populations in the country. We have one of the youngest populations in the country. We have the highest labor force participation number in the country, which says these people want to get back to work. They want to dive in. So let's give them the, the tools and the skills to help them get back in, but more importantly, help the community grow because we need to have talent for us to be successful long term. Yeah, no, like you said, the money's one thing, but if we don't have the right people and like the talent, the money follows the talent, not the other way, not the other way around. It's so critical. Brad, thanks so much for coming on the show. We're not going to wait two years next time, I promise. I'll, like, I'll, so you don't have to hold me on that one. Um, kind of obvious, but CalgaryEconomicDevelopment.com if people want to find out more information. You guys do have a great site. It's fresh. It's clean. And I, I really like your, you're like, we're not comparing to other jurisdictions. We're actually looking at ourselves like a proper brand. And that I, that makes a lot of sense to me now when I look at your site. If anybody wants to reach out. Look at Opportunity Calgary as well. Oh, look yeah, absolutely. Got that up, up here as well, as well. So. opportunitycalgary.com. And Brad, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what LinkedIn? What's the best path? Mm. Yeah, LinkedIn or send me an email here at uh, bperry at calgaryeconomicdevelopment.com. It's a mouthful <laughs> to print to, to type out, but yeah. You're, 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 you're out there. You're, if someone wants to get a hold of you, you're, you are definitely findable <laughs> in the world of, of the web. But Brad, thanks very much for taking the time today. Really enjoyed the conversation and keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler. Talk soon.